Well, I guess the bell means that it's 5 o'clock, time for us to go ahead and begin. Um, first of all, let, let me start by saying, even though they're not in here right now, but I, I want to go ahead and say this, man, those guys did a great job this morning. Uh, I mean, every one of them who led us in worship doing all of it, I mean, they just did a, a tremendous job, and I know that you've already been encouraging them, and I'd encourage you to keep encouraging them uh, so that their talents can continue to grow and flourish and who knows what good things that, that those young men can do for the Lord and His church in the years to come. I mean, and I, we just should look forward, anxiously look forward to seeing them continue to develop and grow. And It's going to be a beautiful thing. Uh, Billy Wayne was supposed to be speaking tonight. And, uh, of course, due to his accident at work earlier this week, uh, I'm filling in for him. Uh, so I apologize because I know he would have done a wonderful job and we'll get him up here again at some point in the future. We just continue to pray that he just continues to get better and, and he'll just continue to recover from his, from his accident. Um, his topic, of course, as we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, his topic was faithfulness. And he asked me just to kind of take that for him. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at a time in the life of Jesus when he questioned his disciples' faith to hopefully help us understand faith a little bit, well, a little bit more, uh, and how important faithfulness is in our life, and what it really, what it really is, what it, what it really should do for us. Um, <clears throat> I think all of us probably have times uh, when we are just exhausted, and maybe we feel like we are asleep before our head even hits the pillow, and that was uh, true for Jesus as well. Uh, Jesus was divinity he was god but he was also flesh <laughs> and because he was human he just like all of us he got tired and he gave and he gave and he gave of himself um and he would hit points like any of us where he just needed to step back and and rest uh, and that's where we see him in mark chapter four that's where we're going to be tonight in mark four we see him reaching a point there on the sea of galilee where he has just taught, and he's preached, and he's healed, and he's just been so active, and, and people just keep coming and coming and coming, and he, he just kind of reaches that point where he just needs to, to take a break. And so we're going to pick up in verse 35, and there in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Again, wouldn't have been long now, I don't think, when Jesus crashed on the cushion on the stern of this ship and fell right asleep. But his rest, it didn't last very long, uh, unfortunately. And the reason that his rest didn't last long was because a, a great storm came up. Mark describes the scene there in verse 37, where Mark said there arose a fierce gale of wind. The waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. This is a life-threatening storm. I, I mean, this is not something that you or I would want to encounter or want to face. But notice... It is not the violence of the storm that wakes Jesus up. Jesus is sleeping like a baby. <laughs> you know, the, the waves crashing and the thunder rolling and everything that's happening in this particular moment, that is not what wakes Jesus up. What woke Jesus up were his disciples. His disciples were very, very much afraid as a result of that storm. And so they went to Jesus in verse 38, and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now that may seem like, on the surface, a very legitimate question to 
to ask. I mean, look, when you think about the circumstances they're under, you think about the wind howling, you think about the waves crashing, you think about the, the boat taking on water, you think about all these things that are happening, you think about how frightened the disciples must have been. They were obviously afraid for their very life in that moment. And they're saying, Jesus, if you really care about us as much as you say you do, uh, why don't you wake up and do something? Why don't you wake up and save us before we all perish? Save us before we all die. You know, that probably wasn't the last time that type of question has been asked uh, of Jesus. It's still a question that we may find ourselves at times asking, uh, especially when we find ourselves in the storms of life, because there are so many storms of this life that, just like this storm here in Mark 4, they seem to come out of nowhere. And, and they hit us so deeply, and they hit us so hard, and they cause so much pain and heartache that sometimes we, we find ourselves in, in moments saying, Jesus, where are you? Don't, don't, don't you care that I'm, I'm going through, well, just fill in the blank. Because the storms of life, they do come in so many different forms. For some, it's, it's a, a doctor's visit where the end result of the doctor's visit is some deadly disease. Uh, for others, for others, it is a meeting, a business meeting at work, where by the time the meeting's over, the reality that there's going to have to be a lot of uh, layoffs at work is the, the end result. Uh, for others, it's, it's a husband and wife having just a, a conversation, and the conversation may turn into a disagreement. The disagreement turns into a, a fight. Seems like a normal routine fight, but, but by the end, one of the two says, you know, I felt this way for a very long time, but I just don't think I love you anymore. Or, or for others, it's, it's a routine hospital visit, uh, just not feeling that great, but then the hospital visit ultimately results in funeral preparations for a family. I mean, there are just so many different kinds of storms that we all encounter and that we all face. And again, a lot of times in those moments, we may find ourselves afraid and we may find ourselves questioning just as the disciples did all those many years ago and saying, where are you at? Here we are. I'm, I'm facing death itself. I'm facing the... the the biggest struggle I've ever faced. I'm facing the greatest heartache of my life. Jesus, where are you? Are you awake? The storms, they, they come quick. They strike hard. And they definitely can break our hearts. And, and they leave us crying out to God. And again, at first glance, it may seem like a legitimate question to ask. But I think as we look at the text, and as we understand faith, it'll help us to see that while it may seem like a legitimate question, it is an absolutely unnecessary one if we're people of faith. How did Jesus respond to the question? Verse 39 says, Being aroused, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Used to when I would read that text, and maybe it was because I had seen it somewhere along the way, you know, being reenacted on 
in a play or a movie maybe about Jesus. I just kind of envisioned Jesus, you know, with this very like loud, like, hush, be still, you know, and, and all of a sudden the wave's getting quiet because he's like louder than everything else. But I, I don't hear it that way anymore. I think the greater power would have been in his whisper. Hush, be, be still. And the wave stops, and the wind stops, and the storm stops, and everything goes silent. Everything is completely peaceful. The storm is no more. I think that's why we can count on Jesus even today. No matter what the storms are we may face, He has power to overcome those storms. Now, we have to take those, those times to Him, right? We, we need to go to Him in the midst of our storm. But we also have to understand while He has the power to still the storm, He may not do it immediately. And whenever He does hear us and answer us, it's going to be done His way, His time, His plan. Not ours. And that I think is a very important thing for us to understand. But faith comes. Faith comes when you truly know and you truly believe that regardless of the size of your storm, regardless of what it is that may be in front of you or crashing in from all directions in the moment, do we, we have the faith to believe that our Jesus has the power to bring a calmness. Maybe not that the circumstances around us change, but He has the power to provide us with a calmness even in the midst of the storm. We're told, we're told that there is a, a peace that passes all understanding. That peace that passes all understanding, it is given to us through prayer. It's an amazing thing. It's an absolutely amazing thing to be in the middle of a storm in your life. And I've faced these storms, and I know you have too. And you find yourself in the middle of the chaos. But you know what? You're not panicking. You're, you don't feel as though everything is crashing in on you. And, and maybe someone notices and they say, wow, how are you making it through this? If I were you, I could never do it. And, and you know what I know. That it's not you and it wasn't me. That in those moments, that it's the Spirit of God giving us that, that peace that passes all understanding. So that even in the midst of the storm, even when the, the circumstances of the storm continue to rage, there can be a peace within us. Man, you talk about a promise from God that is absolutely priceless. If you've ever faced a storm and you faced it without that peace and you know how terrifying and you know how frightening and you know how chaotic and you know how overwhelming that is, and then you can compare it to other times where you faced other storms 
and it didn't feel like the next shoe was about to drop on you or that the next thing that happened, everything was going to collapse around you. It's an amazing difference, isn't it? It's an amazing gift from God when we have that peace that passes all understanding. Notice that after calming the storm, Jesus has a couple of His own questions for the disciples. Uh, They're both found here in verse 48. He said to them, this is the first thing He said, why are you so timid? We might say, why are you so afraid? You woke me up. (laughs) You woke me up for this storm. (laughs) Why, Why is it that you are so afraid? And I think he may ask the same question of us today. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so filled with anxiety and dread and and overcome with worry? Why? Why are you so afraid? I don't know how the disciples felt um, in this particular moment in the boat. But I can tell you what I would have thought. Now, mind you, don't, don't misunderstand me here. I am not a confrontational person, so I would not have said this out loud, but I can tell you what I'd have thought when Jesus asked, why am I so afraid? My brain would have said, why am I so afraid? Are you kidding me, Clark? Look around. <laughs> Do you not see everything that's been happening? Here I am. I've been trying to bail this boat out. I've been trying to get the water out of this boat just to try to keep it afloat while you've been up there asleep. And you're asking me why I'm afraid? That would have gone through my brain. <laughs> uh, and we still have those moments, don't we? Where we do, we get so overcome with the fear in the moment. We get so overcome with worry and the dread. When we say, why? You want to know why I'm afraid? Jesus, do you have any idea what's going on in my life right now? Jesus, do you know? Do you, have you closed your eyes to the storm that I am currently going through, to what I'm facing, to what somebody in my family is facing? We are facing all of this, this heartache and pain. We, we're, facing, we're facing potentially death itself. And you want to know why I'm afraid. Sometimes that fear comes because we don't really know who's in our boat. We say we know who's in our boat. We, we say we know Jesus is in the boat with us. And the, the disciples, they knew there in Mark 4, man, they knew there's a great teacher. There, there is a, a prophet. There is a miracle worker. There, there is this wonderful man who's asleep in the stern of this boat. But I don't know I don't know that they really comprehended at that point that the God of the universe was in their boat. A really great man was who could do some amazing things and who could speak and teach like no one ever had and ever would. But when you really know, when you really have faith, when you really believe that the God of the universe is in your boat, then you understand that He who created the waves and the wind itself, He who is over nature itself, is in the boat. I wonder if any of them, maybe not in the moment, but maybe 
in the next day or two, I wonder if they reflected on the Old Testament. Because they would have been students of the Old Testament, and I, I wonder if they would have thought about a passage like Psalm 89. Psalm 89 verse 8 says, O Lord God Almighty, who is like You? You are mighty, O Lord, and Your faithfulness surrounds You. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, You still them. That's exactly what Jesus had done. By just speaking it, He had stilled all of the waves. The storm itself was no more. You see, you don't, you don't panic again. You don't panic when you know, you really know that the God of the universe, that He created everything, that, that He is in your boat. But He's not only the God of the universe in, in the broadest of senses, uh, but you know, He's also the God of everything. He's the God over government. He's the God over sickness. He's the God over relationships. He's the God over the economy. He's the God over death itself. He is the God over everything. So do you really realize, do you really have faith in He who is in your boat? Again, I think the easy answer is to say, yeah, I know exactly who's in my boat. I know the God of the universe is in my boat. Praise God for it. And while that's the right answer, I wonder if Jesus was here to have a little one-on-one if He wouldn't say, Blake, uh, I'm glad you know the right answer. I'm glad you know that the God of the universe is supposed to be in your boat with you. But if you know that, then why do you worry so much? Why, why do you get so consumed with stress and anxiety and dread? Why do you get so wrapped up in the things of this life? You, you say you have the right answer and you, you would speak truth. <laughs> but then you don't show it. I think that kind of leads to, to this next question he's about to ask. Uh, you see, when you really, really believe that He is the, the God of the universe and you understand who He is that's in the boat with you, we should be able through our faith to find such great rest in the promises of God. And, and, and that should be something that gives us such hope regardless of what the circumstances of life may be. And so after he asked this, this very pointed question, why? why are you so timid? Then he followed that up with, how is it you have no faith? Now again, uh, there would have been a point in my life where I would have read that and I would have heard that in a very like angry tone. Like, what is wrong? How is it you have no faith? I would hear that, you know, kind of that grr tone. I don't, I don't hear it that way. Um, I hear a tone of disappointment. I hear a tone of, of sorrow. I hear a tone of heartbreak. I, I I hear a tone, a much different tone that says, how, how is it? How is it you don't have faith? What's he saying there? He's saying after everything you've seen and after everything you've heard, after everything you know about me, 
Where's your faith? How, how do you not have faith? can't help but believe that when they got in the boat earlier that day, if, um, if someone would have asked any of these disciples, hey, excuse me for a moment before you get on the boat, I just want to ask you a quick question. Do you have faith in Jesus? Listen, these fishermen, buddy, these fishermen, they would have bowed up and they would have said, how dare you even ask if I have faith? We have left everything to follow this guy. We've left family. We've left friends. We've left livelihood. And and here we are following him and in this ministry of his. And you want to ask us if we have faith? You want to ask us if we're faithful? You want to ask us if, if we have a belief? We're here. And they were there. They were. Well, and I and I think and I think it's a very good point, uh, but I also think that what we see here, and it's an important reminder for us, that sometimes the storms of life, they reveal our faith or lack thereof. Like it's in those moments that we're facing whatever the storm is, whatever the circumstance is. It should be a moment where we can do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of spiritual evaluation. And by our actions, by our thoughts, it should reveal to us how faithful we are, how strong our faith is in that moment. Thanks be to God. Or at times it reveals our lack of faith. That, that our faith is not there. Um, because again, you just, you just never know, I don't think, how strong your faith really is until you encounter the storms of life. I think it's in those moments, man, when everything is just stripped away and you are just facing whatever is staring you in the face and you don't know what you're going to do next and you don't know how to overcome whatever's ahead of you, whatever that storm is. Man, in those moments, all of a sudden, it, it helps you to see within yourself and, and to know, is, is my faith real? Is it genuine? Am I a faithful person or am I going to walk away? Uh, and that's a important thing. Um, but during these storms, what does God expect to see when He looks to people of faith? Because again, we go through storms and, and because we are people of faith and we want to have this faithfulness, when God looks at us, I think it's under, important to understand here, like Susie was just saying, doesn't mean that there's a lack of faith when we go through these storms. Because 
God looks down on us and his expectation is when we're facing a storm of life, he expects to see tear-filled eyes. He expects to see broken hearts. He, he, expects, he expects to sometimes hear questions of why and, and doubt. That, that's, those are all very human things that we go through. And I think he expects to see all of those things from us. But he also expects that as people of faith, that we will be a people that will, will find hope in his promises. That, that our faith will carry us through regardless of the circumstances uh, of life. And that our faith, our faith that, that God will be with us and, and his love will be with us and that nothing in this life, there's no storm so horrible that we could ever face that could separate us from God, that could pull us away from him. Nothing has the power to do that. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather he who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who shall separate us from the love of, of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it's written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced... Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Faithfulness. What does a mature faithfulness look like? It is going to come in the, the ability of being able to rest in the promises and the assurances of God even in the midst of the storms whatever the storms of this life may be, even in the midst of those circumstances that so often are beyond our control, we have a faith that says, I know that God is still here. I believe and I know that He's still with me and I have the faith I'm going to stay with Him because I know He's not going to walk away from me. I have faith in Him. Uh, there, there was one final question asked that night and we'll conclude with this. Our time is almost up in verse 41. This one was asked by the disciples amongst themselves. It says, They became very much afraid, and they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey Him? So that was their question that very dark and stormy night. And that's a good question for us too. Who is this? Well, it's Jesus. He, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. That reality, buddy, that reality really sank in with the disciples that night. Not only that night, but course many occurrences as they followed him throughout his ministry it was revealed over and over and over again that he is he is the son of god he is our savior uh, but not just over the physical not just over relational not just over uh, emotional or financial even more important than all of those he is our savior over our spiritual all of our spiritual needs church and truly that is where we need him the most <laughs> that is where uh, above all other storms of this life, the, the spiritual storms we, we face, that is where we need Him the most because it's only through the blood of Jesus we can be reconciled with God. Um, all the storms that we face, they come in different shapes, they come in different sizes, they hit us. Sometimes we, sometimes we can see them coming from afar. Sometimes they're there before we know it. It totally seems totally unexpected. Uh, so much of life can change sometimes with just a phone call right 
I mean, all it takes is a phone call, and all of a sudden, you learn your whole world has been turned upside down, and, and, and you don't really know where to go next. In those moments, again, that's, that's when our faith is really tested. That, that's when it's really revealed. That's when we can really begin to see how strong we are or how, how weak we may be in that particular moment. Uh, and it's, it's a good time to look, and as James would refer to the Word of God as the spiritual mirror, it's a good time to look in that mirror and do a lot of spiritual self-examination to see if we are where we should be at this particular point in our life, whether it be our physical life, our spiritual life. Make sure that we're always growing. You see, that's the thing about uh, the fruit of the Spirit as we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about for the next few weeks. It should be continually growing in our lives. Uh, it, it should be something that should constantly be on display. And, and if it's not there, I believe Chris did a very good job last week of helping us see that if, if fruit is not there, and the Spirit's not there. You, you can't have one without the other. Uh, and so if we want to be living the life that God wants us to be living, we want to be in step with the Spirit of God. A part of that is being faithful, even in the midst of the storms of life. Hey, thank you all so much for your time and attention. We'll, we'll close now with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we humbly bow before you, and we thank you so much for this life. You have blessed us, Father, beyond our understanding. And, and God, as we face, so many are currently facing various storms in this life. I just pray that you would, your will would be done. Whatever that is, Father, we put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. We know that you are in control and that you know better than we do. Oftentimes when we come to you asking you for various desires of our heart. Father, we know you know best. And for that, we are very thankful. And so, Father, as we continue to pray for so many who may be in need, whether it be physically or spiritually, or emotionally or mentally, we, we just ask God that, that your will would be done. Father, we, we do pray that you give us, give us your strength uh, in, in the storms of life. Help us to persevere. Hold our hand. Walk us through the, the moments of life where there's a little more trial. Uh, help us, God, to, to stand firm. Stand firm until the end, whenever, whenever that may be. Help us to be a people of peace, your peace. Uh, give us that peace, God, as we face the problems of this life. And, and help us, help us, Father, to be the people of faith in the midst of adversity that, that you want us to be, that we need to be. Help us, God, to to walk through this life knowing that you're ever present, and that you are always with us. And help us, Father, to 
to not take our eyes off of you, to not be so distracted by the, the various things of this life that, that can at times discourage us. Help us, God, to always keep our, our eyes on the prize. We love you so much, God. We know the love you have for us is so much greater. You put it on full display through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you for that. And it's in his name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray all these things. Amen.